Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This used to be my theme song years ago here at WABC when I did uh, Overnights. The Swan Silvertones until um, Frank Morano, the new Jack, pimped my ride the other side of midnight, and now he has culturally appropriated this song from me. And the reason I can say that, my first name is Curtis, and tell me how many Curtises do you know who are white? Almost every Curtis out there is black, a.k.a. Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent, okay? So he took this from me and plays it on a regular basis. And what do I get? Ugats. I get bupkis. Nothing. But I will tell you this. This epitomizes what I went through overnight when I took another hour from WABC. That's right, because of uh, daylight savings time and rolling back an hour, I was able to do seven, count that, seven hours from 12 midnight to 6, you say, how could that be at 6? No, we rolled back at 2 o'clock, back to 1. I had the extra hour. And guess what? I'm not giving it up next week. I'm taking a full 7 hours. You give me an hour, you don't get it back. Because the ratings end up going right through the roof. If you remember, it was a week ago. We established the all-time record for ratings for overnight radio. Saturday morning from 12 to 6, followed by Sunday morning from 12 to 6, where we spoke all Pelosi all the time. And yeah, it was conspiracy talk uh, for a lot of people, but it was great theater of the mind. And that leads me in to the last 72 hours of this campaign. I don't care how many times Barack Obama comes out or Michelle Obama or Joe Biden. I don't care how many times it giggles Harris. <laughs> comes out. I don't care how many times that Hillary Rodham Clinton and Bill Clinton come out. I don't care how many times Tulsi Gabbard comes out for Congressman uh, Lee Zeldin or George Pataki comes out for Lee Zeldin or even Curtis Sliwa the other day in Flushing because I had won the Asian American vote against Eric Adams in the mayoral campaign, first Republican ever to win. The Asian American or Chinese American communities vote anyway. All of us collectively will not matter in these last 72 hours. Yeah, it makes for a lot of great headlines. It makes for the media coming to focus attention on you where, my, where they might not normally focus attention on you. Yeah, it's great for the battleground states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and New York that has become a battleground state in its own right, surprisingly. But all these celebrity endorsements, all these cadavers in formaldehyde who have seen their better day or the new jacks who are working their way up, whether it's Liz Cheney or on the other side, you have uh, Tulsi Gabbard, the sweetheart of Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. He still hasn't gotten an interview with her. 
I mean, he is like a sickle fan, Tony Alaki, a groupie of her. Went all the way up to Orange County last night to hear her speak, but he got there too late. Too, it doesn't matter. Ladies and gentlemen, the last 72 hours is all about street money. And I'm the only one who's going to tell you how they're going to get their vote out. So let's suppress this Negro spiritual music. I can call it that because that's what it was called when it first came out. I'm not telling you dead by the swan silvertones. Once again, stolen from me, culturally appropriated by Frank Morano, who acts like he owns it on the other side of midnight. No, 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 no. He does not. And I am telling you, I know what transpired today all throughout New York State. I can't speak on the specifics, but I know what's going on in Pennsylvania, too. Why? Because I know people in these places. 72 hours before the election, and you break it on down, and you look at the analytics. You know, you do like uh, an Aaron Boone, the failed manager of the New York Yankees, who's always doing the analytics. No passion, no emotion, just straight analytics. Let's look at the analytics. If you're Kathy Crimewave Holcomb and her Democratic honcho supporters, you got to get out the black vote. You got to get out the West Indian Caribbean vote, or you're dead on arrival. 40% of the overall vote in New York State in a gubernatorial election comes from the five boroughs of the city of New York. The solid block has always been for Democrats, not Latinos, not Asian Americans, uh, not even uh, whites. It's African Americans, West Indians, Caribbeans. They vote by a total of, when they vote, 90, 95% for the Democrats. That's an overwhelming majority there. Many of them live in the projects. Many of them live in neighborhoods and brownstones and tenements that are predominantly African-American, West Indian, Caribbean. Many of them live in the projects where the voting machines are in the basement of the public housing projects. All they have to do is, well, can't take the uh, elevators because they're always busted out by the thugs and thugettes hoping to mug you when you got to walk up the stairs. But if they work their way down and they're aided by a... Um, a paid person to get out to vote, because that's really what this is all about. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. You want to get that vote out? It's street money. This goes back to the Irish, to Tammany Hall. The Irish were coming right off the boats, the Lower East Side. And they were being given money and being told, you vote Democrat. You're a Democrat for life. Here's money. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Damn right. And with 72 hours to go, the Democrats thought they had a slam dunk in New York State with Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. They never thought the crime would become the number one prevailing issue. Remember, take it back a few months, they thought they had it in the bag. Their adversary, Lee Zeldin, survived a grueling primary in which he had to even go further to the right. Pro-life candidate, even when it involves the health of the woman and rape. Oh, man, that was devastating. In uh, response to the repeal of Roe v. Wade. That, that was rough. January 6th, also not signing to certify the election, which meant 
everyone's vote in New York State would have been put up on the shelf. So he had those negatives against him if he say he can't overcome that. Look, look, New York, the registration in New York State from Buffalo to Brooklyn, two to one, Democrats versus Republicans. And there are more independents and unaffiliated voters than even Republicans. And the Democrats have actually registered more new voters than have the Republicans. And the uh, independents, unaffiliated, have risen uh, by four times uh, the amount in terms of registered voters than Democrats or Republicans. So what a dilemma. Who would have thought that with those credentials, a Trumper, a man who voted not to certify the election, a man who was pro-life, who would even appoint the uh, health director of the state of New York, who would have to be pro-life, is within striking distance of winning this election. And the Democrats know it. They have their internal polls. They look at all the ethnic groups. They look at all the age categories. They have it down to the specifics. And the black West Indian Caribbean vote is not there so far in early voting. There are more people who voted in Manhattan than the borough of Brooklyn. The borough of Brooklyn is the largest borough, produces the most votes, has the most registered Democrats. And with early voting, more Democrats on the island of Manhattan, which has become completely blue, no pockets of red here whatsoever. But we don't have anywhere near the population of the borough of Brooklyn. By itself, it's the fourth largest city in America. And they looked at the early voting because they can tell who the registered voters are. And the votes are not coming from black or Caribbean or West Indian areas. So what happened earlier today? Based on calls that were made all last week when Democrats hit the panic button and started to bring out their celebrity endorsers, which meant nothing to nobody. Trust me. Now, one person out there is going to all of a sudden say, oh, I'm voting for Hochul versus uh, Zeldin because of Hillary's endorsement or Bill's endorsement or Barack Obama or Michelle Obama or today the president of the United States is lost in Yonkers. You know, like the O'Neill play, Lost in Yonkers. And quite literally, if he didn't have an entourage there, he'd be mumbling and stumbling his way down South Broadway into Ghetto Square, Getty Square, and maybe even talking to people in Schlobein projects, talking to them. Yeah, you know, I remember uh, just like in Wilmington when I was making my bones and, you know, I took on popcorn. Oh, my God, what a piece of work he is. And it doesn't matter even for Zeldin. Tulsi Gabbard up in Orange County yesterday. I know, I know. Oh, Tulsi. And not one vote. Not one vote. It's all about this Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Getting that vote out. It's called street money. And it's been around since politics was invented. And the Democrats have become much more proficient, much better at it than the Republicans because they're stronger in urban areas. So when you look at the urban map going up the New York State Thruway, they're powerful Democrats in the city of New York. They're powerful in the pulpit in Mount Vernon in Yonkers. They're powerful in the pulpit in Albany, in Utica, in Syracuse, in Rochester, and in Buffalo. And boy, they've been spreading that street money. And all, all it is is... Conversations take place between the elected officials, the union officials, and all of a sudden this guy shows up. You're right. He's got the money. Street money. And I'm going to explain to you exactly what street money is used for.
and the parameters that are very loose, very loose indeed. And let me take you back historically, because I've been campaigning on both sides of the Hudson for Republican candidates in Bergen and Passaic and actually uh, Republican candidates all throughout the five boroughs of New York and Nassau and Suffolk County and to a degree in Rockland County. Uh, Let me be specific. I take you back to November of 1993. You had Governor Florio in Trenton. Hardcore Democrat with a lot of black support. A lot. That's how he became governor initially. And we launched a campaign at WABC through the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, Florio Free in 93. But we had a dismal candidate taking him on. She was a patrician. You know her well. Christine Todd Whitless. She came from a horse farm. I think it was Middlesex. She had been a freeloader, a.k.a. freeholder. She was a horrible candidate. And so Bob Grant, the King of Talk Radio, took her on the bus tour. They hit every diner in Jersey from Camden County to Hoboken all along the Jersey Shore and out to the western part of New Jersey, Sussex County. And, boy, they worked it. But that was the white vote. That was the white vote. And she did a a lot better because of that with the white vote. But if Florio brought out the same black vote that he had brought out in 1989, it would have been a fait accompli. Bob Grant, and no Bob Grant, and can't talk radio. He would have been reelected governor. So what happened? A guy named Ed Rollins, political director of the Ronald Reagan White House, he helped Bush win the presidency in 88. We're talking Bush 41. Country club Republicans. He was running Christine Todd Whitless's campaign. He sits it down, he goes... Florio's going to spend street money, but in the end of this campaign, we have more money to spare than Florio does. He thinks he has the black vote in the bag in Patterson, in Newark, in Asbury Park, in Trenton, in Camden. He, He feels that he's got it. He doesn't think that we can compete. But our strategy is not to try to get black people going to church on Sunday to listen to their black pastor who's going to tell them, oh, don't vote for Florio this time. Vote for Christine Todd Whitless, who is like the uh, ultimate McWhitey-Whitey, right? The last person in the world that black people would vote for. He goes, I will be the bag man. I will talk to the black reverends. And so the whole idea of the Whitman campaign was to drive and suppress the black voter turnout by offering donations to black ministers who had endorsed Democrat Governor Florio. They had already endorsed him, took his money. In return, they were asked not to tell their parishioners that it's your moral obligation to vote on Tuesday to vote for Jim Florio. And dissident Democratic precinct workers were asked... How much did the Florio campaign pay you to get out the vote? We'll match it. In fact, we'll top it. Go home. Sit and watch TV. We're paying you to grow barnacles on your backside. Don't get out the black vote. Ministers, don't get up in your bully pulpit Sunday. That's today. And tell your congregation, especially those who vote, which are African-American women, 55 plus, they view it as a religious obligation. They do it the way my parents' generation did it. They dress in their Sunday best. I remember my mother and father, hardcore Democrats. They weren't Reagan Democrats. They didn't even vote for Giuliani, hardcore Democrats. 
My dad would get dressed in a Sunday church suit. My mother in a floral dress. And if they had to wait online two, three hours, they were voting the straight Democratic ticket. Never a Republican. Same way with African-American women. They're very religious. They're devoted many times to their pastors and their churches, without which those churches could not survive. And when the pastor says, hey, this is the Democrat you should vote for, they not only go and vote for that person, if they live in the projects, they're going to get all the residents out there downstairs to vote on, well, the scanning machines now used to be the old iron horse machine. Or if they live in their neighborhoods, or if they have their own private home, or if they in a brownstone, a tenement. Street money was spread around New York City today to get out that black vote for Kathy Hochul. Now, will they ever admit it? Of course not. Of course not. They're going to say, hey, Curtis is making this up. Who knows where all the bones are buried and who buried them? And remember, a lot of times what they do is they use privately donated money to fund charities that fit the Internal Revenue Service definition And so they're able to skirt the rules and regulations. Reverend, what's your favorite charity? Me. No, no, no. Can't be to you personally. Reverend, what's your favorite charity? I said, it's me. No, it cannot go directly to you. It'll have to go to a charitable 501c3 organization. That's how you backdoor it. And then, naturally, you got all these precinct workers And they have to be energized to get the vote out. They got to be knocking on doors in the projects. They got to be leading them down the steps to the basement where the votes are cast in many of those housing projects. And there are many in the city of New York. Brooklyn has the most, then Queens, then the Bronx, Manhattan. And that's how the Democrats can snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. So it's street money. Now, how do I know this, okay? How do I know? Yeah, Curtis, you act like you know everything. Well, guess what? I don't know everything, but I know a lot. And I know about this Reverend Alfred Cockfield II. He's a friend of uh, a man who has made his entire life in the state senate and in the Brooklyn Borough Presidency and now is mayor of New York City. He is the man that he uses to raise the money. It's time to go to political war. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. So the right Reverend Alfred Cockfield II, who we've actually heard here on WABC because he had organized a PAC approved, approved by Eric Adams with his stamp of approval, striving for bitter New York. And what was the whole idea of where this money would go? To support statewide candidates aligned with Eric Adams, moderate Democrats who would battle against the DSA of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. Right, You heard it right here on WABC. And they raised money. $1.3 million. As of the last filing, $1 million did not go to any candidates. Need I tell you more? What? Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about.
So Reverend Cockfield has now claimed he collected more than $126,000 in wages and consulting fees for his personal work as chairman. <laughs> yeah, right. Another $143,000 was paid to two colleagues of Reverend Cockfield and Eric Adams. Thousands of dollars were used, spent on travel meetings and meals at trendy hotels and nightclubs. Club Zero Bond, that's where Eric Adams gets wine, dine, and pocket line. Look at the filings. This guy's a crook, Reverend Cockfield. $1 million did not go to Democrat moderate candidates to take on the candidates of AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And the Democrat Socialists of America are better, dif- better disciplined, better funded. They, they want to win. They don't just want to collect the moolah schmoolah. They want to win, and guess what? They have been winning. So I asked, where did the money go? Well, you are permitted. Remember, you are permitted with privately donated money to fund charities that fit the Internal Revenue Service definition. And in this particular case, there was a massive check of $60,000 that was written out to the Lamont Academy, a charter school in Brooklyn founded and run by who? Reverend Cockfield. <laughs> and in its filings, the PAC listed, striving for a better New York, the expenditure as a non-political donation. You don't even have to look back to 1993 and Christine Todd Whitless paying black reverends not to get the vote out and paying black ward workers not to go knocking on doors. That's how she beat Governor Florio. All you got to do is look at this filing. I asked Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, and his his bag man here, Reverend Alfred uh, Cockfield, the second. What happened to the money? Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. As of last Friday, the Reverend Cockfield had not reported directly spending any money on next week's general election. Oh, it's all about the money. And look, it's not limited to black uh, ministers and black churches. Up next, I'm going to tell you what was happening right after Chavez. That's right. As soon as the sun went down on Sunday night, deals were being made with the black hats and the orthodox. Oh, a lot of money involved to get out the vote. Because in the waning days of a campaign, I don't care who you are. You could be the Mashiach. You could be Jesus Christ, who all of a sudden has come down on this plane. And you're saying, my candidate is the good Booker boy here. Oh, yeah, I'm Hashem. It's Lee Selden. He's been a good Jewish boy. Or it could be JC coming down and anointing Governor Crime Wave Holcomb saying, oh, she good, good, good. R.C., R.C., Roman Catholic, or better yet, real Christian. It's about that money, and then all of a sudden, somebody shows up. You're right. What can I do for you? And what can you do for us? The Republicans do it. The Democrats do it. Later on, you're going to hear from Rinse Out Priebus who formerly was the head of the RNC. As you know, he was the first uh, chief of staff of many chief of staffs in the uh, Trump administration. And he's going to describe to you exactly how much money has been raised by both sides 
in the little state, the Badger state of Wisconsin, in the race involving Ron Johnson, the sitting senator, a Trumper, white, versus uh, Mandela, the black challenger, hardcore liberal progressive from outside of Milwaukee. And when you hear the amount of ungodly money that has been raised just to get 50,000 people to vote, 50,000? You might as well just pay everybody to vote because the consultants are going to get their share, the precinct workers are going to get their share. (laughs) And it's a corrupt practice. Both sides can engage in it. And I dare anybody out there to uh, challenge me on this. But I am telling you where the Democrats were this morning. People who would only say, God damn, are suddenly sitting in the pews of black churches. And there were some black congregants who were told, hey, you gotta, even if you can't come today because you're still fearful of COVID-19 or you're not feeling well or you're feeble and you can't really make it, you got to get on the Zoom. Reverend's going to be talking on the Zoom today. Reverend needs your help. And all those candidates, well, you know, there needs to be separation of church and state. This is nonsense. You're part of a religion. You should have no part of politics because we know the role you play in politics. You got your hand out. I don't care what religion it is. The benefit of the religion I was birthed in, Roman Catholic, One thing, one thing only, because right now they're taking money from us, the taxpayers, to house illegal aliens on Randall's Island. Catholic Charities, making money hand over fist. That's right, Cardinal Dolan. Catholic Charities taking federal money, our money, to house illegals when we can't even take care of our own. But one thing the Catholic Church did in the 60s, some of the priests and nuns were running for office, some lost, some won. The Reverend Giganti, the perv who just recently died, was a city councilman from the South Bronx. The apologist, the defender of his brother, Vinny, the Chen Giganti, head of the Genovese crime family. And there were others. Good, too. And the Pope said, nobody runs for political office. You can't do both. One priest, a Salesian priest, defied the Pope. His name was Aristide, the Salesian priest. He ran in Haiti. He became president. We defended him. And then he necklaced his opponents. That's right. He did what Winnie Mandela did in Joburg. When you were opposed to Winnie Mandela, they would take a tire, put it around your head, put gasoline inside, and light a match. A defrocked Silesian priest because politics corrupts. You cannot be a man or woman of the cloth. And involved in politics. It's an oxymoron. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
Yeah, I asked for a little Havana Gila. What the hell is this? You can tell uh, we have no Jews uh, here in the house. Hey, Kevin Josh, uh, weekend producer. I thought you, you know, you look like an Orthodox Jew. You look like a guy who could wear a black hat. I mean, aren't you from Scarsdale? Oh, my God. Knock this music off. This is not Havana Nagila. Please, you insult me. And I'm a righteous Gentile. So let me tell you what happened over the weekend. Chavez comes. It's Friday. Stir the Empire Kosher Chicklin. You light the Chavez candles. And then you're not permitted to speak with anybody by phone. You go to shul. You go to synagogue. You pray. Sabbath. Then at sundown, Saturday night, you can power up your phones again. You can answer your phone. And the phones were singing and ringing. Both sides trying to either suppress or nourish the black hat vote, the Orthodox Jewish vote, because it is a sizable and growing vote now in New York State, downstate. Uh, And uh, if it is a huge turnout, it could be the difference. So, for instance, Democrats are dependent on African-Americans, West Indian, Caribbean vote. If they turn out in large numbers... As much as I've worked for Lee Zeldin, as much as we need Zeldin to save the state from Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, you can pretty much hang it up. It's the way it is. But if Zeldin can get the black hats, the Hasidim, and the Orthodox, many of them vote as a black vote, to switch over to him, because normally they're Democrats, as they did for Pataki against Mario Fachabrutacomo in 1994. See, Mario thought he had him in the back. I was at the meeting when he was in Williamsburg with the Satmires. I was there representing George Pataki. Mario comes in, you know, he had the fedora on, he knew all the title bounds there. They made a deal. Luckily, there was a chasm in the Satmars between both title bounds. That's a little bit too nuanced, you know, one title bound versus the other title bound. The legacy continued. That's a huge block right there in Williamsburg and then up in Curious Joel in Orange County. Likewise, there are other sects uh, of Hasidim, Lubavitchers in Crown Heights, Bebov uh, in uh, Borough Park. And how do I know about all of this? Because I ran for mayor. And I had worked with a lot of these Hasidic organizations, Orthodox organizations. You remember the riots in Crown Heights? The pogrom, I was there with the guardian angels, 30 days, 30 nights, right there on President and Kingston. And when I went to uh, try to get the Lubavitches to vote for me, we love you, Curtis. We love the guardian angels. We'll never forget what you did. But we've given our support to Eric Adams. And I foolishly thought that there were some Lubavitches there who would say, no, 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 I was there. I saw Curtis and the Guardian Angels. Eric Adams was without Slim Shady Sharpton at that time. He was not with the Lubavitcher. Hey, foolish me, naive me. I looked at the voting tallies. I went back into Crown Heights and said, hey, am I a person of no consequence? Hey, Yitzhak, hey, Shlomo, well, you, you forgot me? Well, you know, so it's a black vote in many instances. I know about this. I won in Borough Park. I won in Flatbush. I won in Midwood. I won in Kew Gardens. 
But I didn't have a shot in Crown Heights with the Lubavitch. I didn't have a shot with the Satmar in Williamsburg. And I wasn't running statewide. So there are whole groups of Orthodox and Hasidim who live in Rockland County, Orange County, and it's a growing number. And they vote. And it's a block vote. And I will tell you this. I know Lee Zeldin tried to get the Satmar vote in Kiryas Joel. It is a huge community in Orange County. I know that George Pataki, who got their vote against Mario Cuomo, actually went with Lee Zeldin to try to get their vote. I don't know what kind of deal they were going to offer them. But when they arrived, the leaders of that community said, sorry, Kathy Holcomb already dropped $97 million in capital improvements out of the budget. She got here first. Now, does that mean everybody in Curious Joel is going to vote for Kathy Hochul? Maybe not, but a lot of them will. And then you look at Muncie and you look at all those communities. It's a block vote. It's like, what have you done for our community lately? So let me, let me break it down to you very simply here. It's going to be a battle between how many Orthodox and Hasidics break for Lee Zeldin because he is one of their own. He is from their tribe, and he has spent a lot of time lobbying them and politicking with them and being in the streets. He will win probably the same neighborhoods that I won, Borough Park, Flatbush, Midwood, Kew Gardens, Regal Park, Parts of Forest Hills, he probably will. But the real block vote are the Satmar in Williamsburg and the Lubavitcher in Crown Heights. So if Kathy Hochul is able to get that, it negates. It's almost like a 50-50 split. How many African-Americans, West Indian, Caribbeans are likely to vote for Lee Zeldin? Not many. Some, yes, not many. That's a hardcore block vote in and of itself. You're talking 90, 95% of the blacks, West Indian, Caribbeans who vote Generally vote Democrat. That's a block vote. It can be cracked, but it's going to take time. Latinos and Latinas, yes, many of them will be breaking and have already indicated they're going to be voting for Lee Zeldin. Huge numbers of Chinese Americans, uh, Asian Americans who will be voting for Lee Zeldin. Thankfully, I won that vote in the mayoral campaign. First Republican ever to win the Asian American, Chinese American vote. Uh, in a statewide campaign, well, actually citywide campaign. Uh, and many of them I have seen, and the, they go to all the rallies. It doesn't matter. There might not be a Chinese person, Asian person in that community. I mean, half the people there for Lee Zeldin are Asians. And then they're not because they're getting paid. They're really into it. They're really into it. And they're smart. They're free agents now. They get approached by the Democrats who see that it's a 50-50 split now in that community. Democrats have to make an appeal to them. Republicans have to make an appeal to Asian-Americans, Chinese-Americans. They're no longer a guaranteed vote. And that's why I'm suggesting to all of you, no matter what ethnic or racial group you belong to, no matter where you live within the 50,000 powerful watts of sound in our tri-state area and beyond, be a free agent. Make these politicians come to you and tell you what they're going to do for you. But the biggest difference of all, and the reason that I've gone out to support some candidates and not others, is my first question to every one of the candidates is, will your position be good for America? I don't care about your assemblymanic district, your state senate district, your congressional district, the state of New York, state of New Jersey, state of Pennsylvania. 
Will it be good for America? America supersedes every other interest. I don't want to hear that the schmuck to punch Chuck E. Cheese human brings home the bacon. Because if you've seen the recent commercial with him, he's using all Yiddish terminology. You would think he's not a BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato Jew, of which he is. He's not observant. But the point being is, is it good for America? So there are some candidates out there, you wondered why I didn't come out and use whatever poll I have to get a vote for you. Because when I said, is this good for America? He said, no, it's good for my district. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because you're a Hessian. You're a mercenary. America, number one, second to none. If it ain't good for America, it's not good for your district. And that's why the Republican Party, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, We'll talk about what's good for America. I've been out with a lot of Democratic candidates. I can't say they're bad uh, men or bad women. They work hard. Anybody who runs for office, they've earned my respect. Having run myself, it's a lot of work. You you make a sacrifice. You go knocking on doors. You're you're like Jehovah Witnesses and Mormon missionaries. They're slamming doors in your face. People are screaming invectives at you. They don't care if you're with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children. Uh, it's humiliating at times. You have to explain to your own family why you're giving up so much time, so much of your, your, your family time, your personal time, your professional time to run for an office you're probably going to lose. And they don't have the uh, opportunity I've had of name recognition. It was a lot easier for me. I, I see a lot. I don't care that Democrats, Republicans, uh, third-party candidates, they work hard and even win, lose, or draw They deserve our respect because without them, there's no democracy. It's a one-party system. So if one party is in control, like we see the Democrats are, supermajority in the Assembly, supermajority in the State Senate, almost a lock on being elected governor, even with the disgraziata, the shanda of Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia, Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. I hear him every time he comes on now as part of his resurrection. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, isn't it horrible, the crime in the streets, horrible? Hey, you schmuck, you parts, you're the author of No Cash Bail. You promoted it, you signed it into law, you put it up on a pedestal, you sanctimonious hypocrite. Wherever you go, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, with Fredo, Chris Cuomo, and your wartime consigliere, Pococo, and your other sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys, I will be there saying, hey... You're Mr. No Cash Bail. You're the reason that we're in the mess we're in now. Don't think you're going to do a punch's pilot. Wash your hands like, oh, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> we're not stupid, Cuomo. You see a lot of these politicians, ladies and gentlemen, they think we're stupid. Nah, they think we're stupid. They think we only go from one news cycle to another. Now, some are. I've heard some out there say, oh, Cuomo. Cuomo's back in, sounds like he's back in Zelda, you know, like, technology, but he's not really embracing Hoka. Get out of here. The only reason he would want Zeldin to win is to topple Hochul, who he considers ultraditor, so that he can climb back out of the crypt like a political zombie to try to take out Zeldin four years from now. That's the plan. Don't be bamboozled. I know the Cuomos, Mario Faccia Brota Cuomo, King Cuomo the First, and his campaign manager, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the Second. I know you're listening out there, Cuomos. 
And our FM affiliate, WLIR, right out there in the East End. And I know what Andrew's saying. Clown. Call me every name in the book in the mayoral campaign. He had already resigned. He's calling me names. Look at him. Shriner's resurrection. The zombie that you are. Some people will fall for your nonsense. Curtis Lee knows where the Cuomo bones are buried and who buried them. But anyway, back to the phones we go. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dottie in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard, Dottie. Hey, Curtis. Yes, Dottie. So what do they need to do? Nothing. When, and it's in the newspapers, the front page of the newspapers, nothing was done. In Newark, there were 56 uh, polling stations go blank when they were voting for governor. I think it's the uh, let's go Brandon effect, and the votes weren't going their way. So uh, they went dark, and then all the votes were deleted. Dottie, 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 it's the Essex County Democratic machine. It's the mayor, Raz Baraka, the evil seed of Leroy Jones, a.k.a. Amira Baraka, hates white people, a registered communist. Yeah, he said, I'm a poet. Yeah, poet. He hated America. He hated white people. He produced a son, Raz Baraka, who hated cops, hated law and order, was elevated to the mayoralty in Newark. And look at the mess, the two police officers who were almost assassinated in the streets. You know how slow they were to get the word out about this? You know how slow? I'm not going to say because Raj Baraka hates cops. He's just inept. His administration is inept. Look through the history. Sharp James, crook. Mayor Gibson, crook. You had an easier war hero. Went to federal prison for mail order fraud. He was white Italian, Gibson African-American, Sharp James. As you know, the last time we heard from Sharp James, he has two yachts right on the Jersey Shore. They call the SS Sharp James 1, the SS Sharp James 2, with all the loot he stole from Newark. And he charged the Coast Guard by claiming he's a victim because he was sailing while black. Not driving while black, sailing while black. (sighs) And then, of course, it was Cory Booker. Does he have a boo yet, Cory Booker? By the way, he claims he lives in Newark, and nobody's ever seen him in Newark. And by the way, Bobby Menendez, the most crooked of U.S. senators and the crooked U.S. Senate, is indicted now, will be indicted for a second time. And you know who his number one apologist and protector is? Cory Booker. I think that's his boo. And our own Dominic Carter. I haven't heard Dominic Carter talk about that. You can hear Dominic Carter Monday through Fridays from 12 to 1 before the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Dominic Carter reported on the first trial that resulted in a hung jury about that crook, Bobby Menendez. And, you know, Bobby Menendez would never start a press conference until he saw Dominic. Would not he would tell all the press, no, got to wait till Dominic Carter, my friend, is here. Hey, Dominic, I'm going to be listening tonight because I'm going to be transferring the 50,000 powerful watts of sound to you. Get ready there in Pomona and Rockland County where even the long jockeys are white. I'm putting the question to you, Dominic. How come you're not talking about that crook? And every time he's indicted, what's the first place he shows up in? 
a Cuban-American in Hudson County, a black church, right? He appeals to the black community and the black ministers. Now, why do the black ministers give him a bully pulpit when he's under indictment? <laughs> Connect the dots. 1-800-848-9222. This is the only place you're going to hear this. I break it down. Both the Republicans are using some nefarious means to get a vote. And the Democrats who have championed this, who have become professionals since Tammany Hall, and the first Irish to walk off those frigates that came across the Atlantic Ocean. Here's some money. Just remember, Sean, you're going to be voting Democrat for the rest of your life. Knuckleheads. W-A-B-C. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I think we could bump these up, you know, to the chorus line. The New York Times side Staying alive was no job At second hands Moms bounced on old men So then we moved to Shallon land A young Oh, Shallon, right 36, 38 chambers uh, Mad money, mad money Cause Wu-Tang Clan from Staten Island Park Hill, Stapleton, North Shore Say cash money rules the world And in politics It does Enough of these degenerates, these hip-hop monsters. I don't want to hear Wu-Tang any longer. I want to go to maybe one of the whitest states in America. Uh, The Cheeseheads. The Badger State, Wisconsin. About six million people there. Guardian Angels in Milwaukee. That's predominantly black and Hispanic now. But at one time, North Side was predominantly Polish and uh, German. But now they're out in the suburbs. But about 6 million people in all of Wisconsin, about 3.5 million registered voters, maybe out of that half the people will show up to vote. A very heated U.S. Senate election, Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson, who is running for re-election, was thought to uh, not have a chance. He's been labeled a conspiratorialist, hardcore Trumper. Uh, and uh, a guy who's running against him, uh, African-American Mandela, He's got all the perfect pedigree. Uh, you know, he's uh, not as smooth as Barack Obama, but just as left-wing, just as progressive. So it's a very close race. It appears that Johnson may eke out a victory. But rinse out Priebus, who used to be the head of the RNC, who in fact became the first chief of staff for Donald Trump when he was president. And you know how many chief of staffs Donald Trump had, right? <laughs> it was like a revolving door. But Rinsound Previs uh, was a guest on the roundtable discussion at 5 with our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis, Lydia Serrani, and their contributors. And he broke it down just from Wisconsin. Remember, 6 million people, 3.5 registered, Democrats, Republicans, and independents. A state at times that has had a socialist mayor in Milwaukee and a socialist U.S. senator. And then had Gunner Joe McCarthy, who was to the far, far right, who saw communists under every bed. 
So you got Iran Johnson, who's definitely Republican conservative. You got a Mandela, who's an Obama-like Democrat liberal progressive. Listen to what Rinse Out Previs says this all comes down to. So in Wisconsin, you're going to spend $200 million fighting over 50,000 votes that are in the middle. So $4,000 a vote. That means when you take your data and digital operation and your ground game, you're spending all that money to move those people. They know everything about those voters. They know what beer they drink, what car they drive, how many kids they have, what color their car is. And when you put all that stuff together, you can actually predict how people are going to vote. That's really what being a chairman is. It's being in charge of a lot of boring things that target voters, that turn out voters, so that when there's only 50,000 people you're fighting over and you're spending $200 million, that's crazy. By the way, $200 million, figure both sides equally fundraising, gouging $100 million apiece for 50,000 voters. Tell me cash money doesn't rule the world. Tell me this is about the politics. This is about the ideology. This is like Amazon. This is like Facebook. This is like Instagram. Come on. And all of the people who are donating to both sides, because a lot of them are heavy hitters, they're whales. They're doing it because they agree with the political ideology of Ron Johnson or they agree with the political ideology of the Democrat Mandela or they want influence. Or let's say Mandela wins and they need a vote. Mandela, you're going to pick up the phone? If they're a contributor, well, you're damn right, man. He'll fight through a hailstorm to answer that contributor's call. Likewise with Johnson. I will never forget, ladies and gentlemen, it was the Republican primary in South Carolina between John McCain, who at times would utilize straight talk. Not all the time, but I loved him in that debate against uh, Bush 43, who at times could not chew gum and think at the same time. And the question of the moderator, I believe it was Columbia, South Carolina, was uh, Senator McCain, if a call came into your office And you had a choice. The call was from a contributor or a constituent of yours in Arizona. Which one would you take first? And he said, of course, the contributor. We all would. Bush 43, in his dullard way, said, absolutely not. I would take the call of the constituent. The Bush family, country club Republicans, right? That's why I like McCain. At least in that time, he gave you straight talk. And that's the way it is. Let me tell you on a local level. Let's break it down a little because all politics is local. We could be talking now Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, Connecticut, city council, state assembly, state senate. Constituent comes into your office. Uh, You normally hire someone to man your office who's pleasing, pleasant, and polite, who's so nice that if you were a diabetic, you would die of insulin shock. Person sits you down. You want a cup of coffee? A cup of coffee costs them nothing, right? How can I be of help to you? And they they act like they're interested. They're like they're taking notes because now you think they're serious. Ooh, they're taking notes. So after sitting you down, hearing of your woe, your misery, all of a sudden the elected official comes. Could be a Democrat, could be a Republican, right? Let's talk council, state assembly, state senate, local politics. Right away as the person enters the office, you say, 
the uh, person who is uh, acting as your your public face there say, you know, this constituent, Mabel, has a problem. Tell me something about Mabel. How often does she vote? Is she a prime voter? Does she vote every year, or does she just vote in presidential elections? Secondly, has she contributed to our campaign? Uh, thirdly, has she contributed to our party's campaigns? Look all of that up. Now, if Mabel strikes out on all three, guess what? You know where her request goes? The round filing cabinet. She'll never have a call returned. You got to be a prime voter and you got to be a contributor so that your voice can be heard. That's the nature of politics now. Cash money rules the world. They're no different in the streets or the suites. You heard it from Rinse Out Priebus there. In a state of six million people, not a significant state. We're not talking Georgia. We're not talking uh, Arizona here. We're not talking Pennsylvania. Wisconsin, six million, three and a half million voters. For 50,000 voters to vote one way or the other, both sides are spending $100 million. You think that's based on ideology? Or is that based on cash money rules the world? And are they going to listen to you, an average blue-collar working-class person? Um, or are they going to listen to the whales who helped raise $100 million on both sides? Figure it out. I mean... You could be a high school dropout like Curtis Slewa. Connect the dots. This is not difficult. And today, I'm telling you, that street money was pouring in to all the ward healers and the black churches in New York City. Because Kathy Hochul knows that's her road to victory. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Is it too late now to say sorry? Because I'm missing more than just your body. Is it too late now to say sorry? Yeah, I know that I let you down. Oh, Justin Bieber, Bieber, whatever. I deport you back to Canada. Oh, they're saying, come on, Curtis. He's up on the guy. He's got facial paralysis. No, I won't. I'm sorry. Deport him back to Canada. But anyway, uh, remember for a while there, he was uh, affiliated with Selena Gomez, remember? And uh, Frank Morano, host of The Other Side at Midnight, Monday through Friday, 1 to 5. Has a sweet tooth, not only for Selena Gomez, but as you know, Tulsi Gabbard. He traveled up to Orange County yesterday to try to catch her uh, speech on behalf of uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin for governor. But in typical Frank Morano form, he was a dollar short and a day late. Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez, he's gaga for Google. He's trying to get her on his show. You notice how Tulsi Gabbard, he's the biggest supporter of Tulsi Gabbard. He can't get her on his show. And he's the biggest supporter of Selena Gomez, who does her, what is that, that Hulu uh, show with the two altacacas, you know, who are like cadavers in formaldehyde. I thought they were dead. And uh, he sits outside in a lawn chair with a big sign, I love Selena Gomez. And she gives him no play. Guy's a loser, man. That's the problem. Selena Gomez. It's a loser. 
But anyway, the reason I'm playing Justin Bieber, Bieber, whatever, is because the onslaught of anti-Semitism that is pouring out fast and furiously from the far left to far right, from whites and blacks, is unconscionable. We've seen this before. I touched on this with Anthony uh, Weiner yesterday on Left versus Right, 3 to 4 on Saturdays. And I seem to be more angry about this than Anthony himself, although he was angry at it, but not as angry as I am. The latest wave of this uh, anti-Semitism that we've been exposed to is from celebrities who are African-Americans, very successful men, educated men. Uh, In the case of uh, Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yee, a billionaire, although now losing money hand over fist with all the cancellations. So Kanye West fans have launched a GoFundMe to make him a billionaire again. I'm sure some of your suckers out there will contribute to that, right? Probably some Jews, too. Oh, there's some self-hating Jews out there, you know, and uh, and they're sitting there in Barclays Center watching the Brooklyn Nets game and Kyrie Irving, oh, we love Kyrie, oh, we'll forgive him. Why? Why? Do you not understand where the root of all this is? It used to be Farrakhan, Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, created in Detroit by Elijah Muhammad, the basis of which is that white people are devils, and Jews are termites. I mean, how many times did Screwy Louis Farrakhan have to say that? And yet, Screwy Louis Farrakhan would have an annual gathering, Savior's Day, McCormick Plaza, Chicago. His big temple was on the south side of Chicago. He had a big mansion in North Phoenix. And hundreds and hundreds of African Americans would come. Ice Cube. No, not Ice T. Ice Cube, Ice Tray, Vanilla Ice. No, no, no. It was Ice Cube. And then, of course, there was a Snoop Dogg without smoking the blunt. It was Chaka, Chaka, Chaka Khan. She broke my heart. And there were a number of other notable people listening to this bile drip from his lips. But, you know, a while back, uh, Screwy Louis Farrakhan wanted to keep it real. He was designated with what I had, what Rudy Giuliani, my colleague, had, and our dearly departed uh, colleague, uh, Bernard McGurk, who's no longer here because he wasn't tested in time. Stage four prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah, Schooly Louis Farrakhan. Black and Hispanic men uh, have more cases per capita per person of prostate cancer than whites and Asians. So they need they need to be really focused on getting tested at forty, not fifty five. And I'm going to use this because he's diagnosed in Chicago with stage four prostate cancer. Some of the best hospitals in the world, in Chicago or New York or Miami or Boston, could have gone anywhere to deal with his prostate cancer, but his very dear friend at that time, Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, calls him up, who had funded him millions of dollars to start his own line of hair care products. Like, yeah, that's what black people really needed, more hair care products, right? But Farrakhan took the money. You know, uh, at that time, Gaddafi looked like he was in a drug-induced psychosis, like a bad acid trip, right? He was our friend. He was our enemy. But he always hated Jews. When he was our friend, he hated Jews. When he was our enemy, he hated Jews. When he gave up his nuclear weapons, he hated Jews. When the uh, Libyan wearing the Yankee cap put a twenty-two up where the sun don't shine and blew him right on up to Allah's side on the Paradise Express, he hated Jews. 
But he was our Jew hater, remember, right? Point was, he tells he tells Farrakhan because he's his Medici. No, you got to come to Tripoli. We got the best doctors in the world. And what did Farrakhan do? Well, true believer, like like Hugo Chavez, when he had stomach cancer, he went to Havana instead of Miami, and he died of stomach cancer. Well, Farrakhan almost died. They butchered him on the operating table in Tripoli. He was in seclusion for four years in North Phoenix. Slowly, unfortunately, he got back on track. But he's no longer, no longer does he have that pull that he used to have. Now it's the screwballs, the black Hebrew Israelites. My God, these are crazy people. I see them all the time in Times Square. I see them outside of Penn Station. They wear that medieval garb, you know. They got the staff in their hand. They got the sign that says they are the only true Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. And that if you're a Jew passing by, you're Ashkenazi, you're Sephardic, you're a fake Jew, and white people, you're devils, and the Holocaust never occurred. Now, I know for some of you, you say, what are you talking about? No, 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 let me... Let me let me play you some of the bile that drips from their lips. Here, they're screaming at the top of their lungs that the Jews own all the banks of America. That's right. They run the banks of America. That's right. Can I talk? They in league with America. They got armies and jets. They fight when they get hurt, man. They not martyrs. They not martyrs. They own all the banks in America. Then uh, somebody will say, well, you know, they were victims of the Holocaust. And they turn on that person, whoever it is, or people, and they say, you mean the six million crackers? Christ, that's what you worry about six million crackers that another cracker killed. Uh, they basically say the Holocaust never occurred. In fact, they go worse. They say that the Holocaust is a joke. <laughs> six million who the Holocaust. Are you Boom. saying the Holocaust Boom. is a joke? It's a joke. That's, that's right. right. Now, I've had my confrontations with these guys because I'm a street guy. First of all, I tell them, would you guys brush your teeth? Your breath stinks. And that's the first thing. If you're going to be screaming invectives, you know, at least use some laborious, you know, use some mouthwash. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is about their so-called fake religion. They don't brush their teeth. And they eat a lot of garlic. So when they're talking, you know, like you could, you could be half a block away. You could smell the garlic on their breath. And then all of a sudden, a few years ago, Nick Cannon, right? Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, he was like, <laughs> he was like the Ryan Seacrest. You know, Ryan Seacrest. Uh, Ryan, do you have an opinion? No. You know, like Derek Cheetah. Do you have an opinion when he played for the Yankees? No, I have no opinion. I am milquetoast. That was Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, I interviewed him 45 minutes at a radio conference packed at the old Best Buy Theater in Times Square. 45 minutes. He knew me. I knew him. And you know me. I ask everything. The guy wouldn't blink. He was uh, more white than Ryan Seacrest. You could not move the guy. He was thinking Fortune 500, all the brands. You know, I'm a brand. Let me not get Curtis to have me lose my sponsorships because I got all these kids running around. Now I got an 11th kid. I don't believe in wearing Jimmy Caps or condoms or, you know, any kind of birth control. But, oh, my God. That's why I don't like podcasts. You know, oh, pa, I got a podcast. You want to do my podcast? 
F you, I'm not doing your podcast. I'm going to say something there that is going to spread virally that will destroy everything I've done in my life. What? For you, you got five podcast listeners? I got a podcast. So what? Everybody's got a podcast. Oh, you got to be on my podcast. Why do I have to be on your podcast? Oh, I got a lot of listeners. How many listeners you got? Oh, 200. What is that, your family and friends? I'm going to go on your podcast and potentially destroy everything I've worked so hard for. Because you are telling me I need to be on. They all do that. You should see them around here at WABC. Oh, you got to be on my podcast. No, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. No, I don't. I don't need your freaking podcast. I do live radio. I'm old school. You hear it live and local because you may not hear it again from me because it's a stream of consciousness. There's no blocks here. I pour it out. You don't like me, tough noogies. But in podcasts, oh, we got to edit this. Oh, no, we got to delete this. Get out of here. Knuckleheads. Damn right. So what does Nick Cannon do? He's worth millions and millions of dollars. At the time, he worked for Viacom, you know, VH1, MTV, CBS, Redstone. The old Altacock, he was like a grandfather to him, right? He, he, he could trace his background to the shtetls in Hungary. He really was. It was like he, he was his grandfather. He loved Nick Cannon. So Nick Cannon goes on with this screwball Professor Griff from Public Enemy who had to get kicked out of Public Enemy. To get kicked out of Public Enemy, you had to be really bad. Because, you know, Chuck D and Flavor Flav, you know, if you were a crackhead like uh, Flavor Flav, oh, you stay with us. If you're a homeboy with guns, hey, no problem. But an anti-Semite, hmm, that could affect our brand. And Pro- Professor Griff was a virulent anti-Semite. He loved Farrakhan. So he's got a podcast. So what does Nick Cannon do? He puts a schmata on his head, and he sits down, and he talks with this anti-Semite, this Farrakhanite, and almost destroys himself. Hate it now because I told the truth. It's never hate speech when it's not. Right. You can't be anti-Semitic when... The Semitic, when, when we, we are the Semitic people, when we are the same people that you, wh- who they want to be, mm-hmm. that's our birthright. That's our birthright. That's two years ago. That's that same black Hebrew Israel, we're the real Jews. He bought into that. And remember, he went down, down, down until he went on his tour. I think he used Rabbi Joe Potashnik or the Anti-Defamation League. They always got their hands out for money. Uh, you know, my apology tour, Nick Cannon, oh, I didn't know he had me, you know, he had me mesmerized. He hypnotized me. I got to go back to making babies because that's the best thing I do, including being host of, uh, what is that, the Blindfolded Singer or whatever they call that show on Fox. Anyway, the point being, he almost destroyed his career, and then he had it go on his apology tour. Rabbi Joe Potashnik, or some rabbi was with him. You know, he had to go to uh, uh, Hebrew Civil Rights Boot Camp. You know, and he had to pay his shekels. That's how that works. That's part of the apology to anti-defamation league. Yeah, real piece of work. We're, we're working our way towards that. Oh, by the way, he didn't stop there with Professor Griff. Fake dollars. Hmm. Where have we heard that historically over the centuries? You speaking facts. Exactly. There's no reason to be scared of anything when you're speaking the truth. If we were truly the the children of Israel. And we're defining who the Jewish people are because I feel like if we actually can understand that construct, then we can see that there is no hate involved. When we talk about right, right. the lies, the deceit, the how the the fake dollar controls all of this, then maybe we can get to the reason why they wanted to silence you. 
Boy, you had no problem taking those fake dollars from uh, the Jewish guy Redstone, did you, over the years, right? Nick Cannon. Now, if you ask Nick Cannon, he goes, I'm too busy making babies. I don't use birth control. Number 11 on the way. Has he donated any of them to the tribe of Cohen, you know, to make up for the pogroms and everything else through the centuries? All right, so put that schmuck aside. Now we got Kyrie Irving. Oh, Kyrie's got millions of followers on his social networking. So he links to a black Hebrew Israelite movie, which has everything that the black Hebrew Israelites talk about. You know, the Holocaust didn't exist. Uh, Ashkenazis, Sephardic Jews, real Jews are really Fugazis. Black Hebrew Israelites are the only Jews. And white crackers, you know, we're devils. Really, you know, hey, look, you know, if you're a masochist, you sit through that movie. Meantime, he links to this, millions of his followers. Some of them are probably watching it say, oh, yeah, you know, Kyrie Irving, there's Jesus Christ, there's God the Father, and there's Kyrie Irving. And listen to what Kyrie Irving said. Out of all the screwball things he said, code language again, black Hebrew Israelite. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. I cannot be anti-Semitic because, basically, I'm the real Jew, not you. By the way, Adam Silver, right? He is the commissioner of the NBA. He's a proud Jew. You shit impale yourself with a menorah. You're complaining from the outside. Oh, what an outrage. He better sit down with me. Or what? Or what? And then, of course, the leader of the pack, Yee, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Kanye West. Again... He uses the black Hebrew Israelite code language. He talks about being from the 12 lost tribes of Israel. When I say Jew, I mean the 12 lost tribes of Judah, the blood of Christ, who the race, the people known as the race black, really are. This is who our people are. You know, maybe the three of them, Nick Cannon, Kyrie Irving, and he could be outside of Barclays Center, you know, with that medieval garb, the staves, the black Hebrew Israelites, with the poster that says, fake Jews, real Jews, crackers. And let's see, uh, when we look at the stands of the Brooklyn Nets at Barclays Center, I'd say about 80% of the people who go to those games are Jews. Yeah, without, without Jews going to the Brooklyn Nets games and the New York Knicks games in Madison Square Garden, there'd be nobody in the stands. Jews love basketball. But a lot of times, they're too forgiving. Especially of Yi. He talks about Lahayim. He talks about life itself. Jim is a Christian. On TMZ, I just saw yesterday, they said... Pete Davidson and Kim have sex by the fireplace to honor their grandmother. It's Jewish Zionists that's about that life, that's telling this Christian woman that has four black children to put that out as a message in the media. So when I drive by and I see the Hulu ads and I say the J.P. Chase Morgan ads, I'm going to let y'all know right now, the devil is a defeated foe. You can't poison me. And by the way, y'all don't already with me so much. Y'all already black mirrored me. You already made everybody think I'm crazy. You already took my family away. You already separated all my friends. I don't got no celebrity friends. Oh, yes, you do. By the way, 2018, uh, he sat for an interview with TMZ, Harvey Levin. You know, Harvey Levin, TMZ. What was it? The People's Court. He was outside doing the interviews, right? Jewish guy, right? They interview Kanye 
Wes at the time, and he says, you know, I love Hitler, the Nazis, I admire the Nazis. The Jewish guy doing the interview for Harvey Levin, TMZ, says, you really want to say that? Yeah, let me double down on it. They cut it from the interview. Like everyone else, cut it from their interview since. This anti-Semite. Now, oh, he's got bipolar disorder. He's Meshug, he's Ubats, he's titched. Why did they cut that from his interviews all through the years, huh? Harvey Levin, last time I looked, did he have a breast? Oh, that's right, another Jew. You should impale yourself with a menorah, Harvey. And this disease of anti-Semitism is rearing up its ugly head. Far left, far right. If we end up in a recession, what's been the history of recessions? Hachoo! Blame the Jews. Blame the Jews. W-A-B-C. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I'm so sorry, Uncle Albert. We're so sorry if we caused you I like this slide. I like Linda McCartney, but I really hate Paul McCartney. This is when he had the group Wings. Eh, Listenable, but perfect because right now, somewhere in the Rockaways, the Irish Riviera, just down the block from our own Sid Rosenberg, is a guy known as Eric Ulrich. Oh, Eric Ulrich. I warned, I warned so many Republicans about how this guy was in bed with Bananos and the Gambinos when he was the city councilman of the uh, Rockaways, Bell Harbor, Ozone Park, and Howard Beach. I warned him back in 2018. Nobody listened. They said, oh, why are you hurting a Republican? Because if you're one of us or you're one of them or whatever tribe you're with, when you're crooked, you're my enemy. Republican, Democrat, Independent, you are my enemy. And Eric Ulrich was my enemy, and I'm so proud that I have a notch on my belt now because I'm coming after the other Eric Adams Republicans like Eric Ulrich. <laughs> Where do you think they got some of this information that took them down, huh? I provided it in 2018. It took, what, four years? Hey, finally somebody paid attention. They got their sleeve of smelling salts. The guy owes so much money in gambling debts to the Bananos and Old Howard Beach and the Gambinos, my enemies, and New Howard Beach. I mean, you wanted to find Eric Ulrich? He's over at the Racino at Aqueduct, half in the bag. They had their hooks in him. So what did he do as the city councilman? Uh, He started supporting Democrats. Yeah, Donovan Richards, who hates cops, who is now the borough president of... uh, of Queens, a Democrat who has disparaged 
Robert Holden called him a white supremacist just the other day. Robert Holden, who has run as a Democrat, Republican, conservative, Reform Party line. By the way, when I gave him the Reform Party line when I was chairman, that was his margin of victory, huh? I'm going to take a little credit for that. But um, Eric... uh, Eric Ulrich was uh, supporting Donovan Richards, the Democrat, to become the uh, white-hating borough president of Queens. His own friend, Joanne Ariola was running for the borough presidency as the Republican. You know who was out there supporting Joanne Ariola? Me. And I said to her one day as I'm knocking myself out for her in Maspeth in Middle Village, I said, hey, Joanne, not for nothing, but your Republican chairman... Your Republican city councilman, Eric Ulrich, is holding fundraisers for the white-hating, cop-hating Donovan Richards to be Queensboro president. You're running against him. Well, he's my friend. Beware of traditors, the Eric Adams Republicans, huh? <laughs> wow, I'll never get those months back in my life. I knocked myself out. What a waste that was. But anyway, let's get you up to speed. So the Manhattan D.A., Alvin Bragg, who turns all the street criminals loose, you know, you want to go shoplifting, boosting products, you want to slice somebody in the stairwell, you want to rape somebody, you want to knock them down and steal from them and just about kill them, and you're not going to be prosecuted. He turns them loose. His specialty, though, is he made his bones in the U.S. Attorney's Office prosecuting white-collar crime and political crime. Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan. Remember, what is Eric Adams' mantra? You know what he lives lives by politically. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. And that's what Eric Ulrich did to earn cred with Eric Adams. He raised a million dollars from builders in the construction industry for Eric Adams against me. Hey, look, he raised it, and it was a quid pro quo. You scratch my belly, I scratch yours. Here's a guy who couldn't even screw a light bulb into the uh, the wall, right? And they made him buildings commissioner, which is a corrupt agency. I don't care who the mayor is. Bloomberg, my kumbada cheech, Rudy. It's corrupt because what they do is when you, you visit a site, a construction site, all of a sudden, the inspectors for the Department of Buildings, they say, do you have my scattle sandwich, my lettuce sandwich? And they have a nice wrapped, fresh, you know, loaf of Italian bread sliced open with dead presidents inside. And then all of a sudden, you have window shades on your eyes. It is the most corrupt agency in all the city. And they put, they put the fox in the chicken coop, Eric Ulrich. So he had to resign the other day because... They sweated him down for two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, and he, he was, he's like, you know, he's like Pee Wee Herman. I mean, look at that guy. You think he's a street guy. He came out of the Lindenwood co-ops. He, but just like Sid Rosenberg, you know, they want to be Italians. They want to roll with the Supreme Cougines. Ain't going to happen. So he gave up people, man. He ratted them out. And now he's wearing a wire. He's a confidential informant. And some of the entes are going to still be talking to him. I warned Sid. I said, Sid. I know he's your neighbor. You consider him a friend. Stay the hell away from him. And don't go to Aldo's on Pitkin Avenue. Well, Aldo's is closed. Let me tell you something. You don't go anywhere where he goes. He'll pick up your conversation from half a block away. But the real reason that Eric Ulrich needed to go is 
He didn't do his job as commissioner of the Department of Buildings. I'm going to give you two cases. Two uh, Southeast Asian businessmen took their life savings and bought four buildings on Neptune Avenue in Brooklyn. They had a sex offender who was a squatter in a garage. They tried to evict him. They went through the process, you know, tenant landlord court. They went to the Department of Buildings. Eric Ulrich gave them no play, ignored them. And so they tried to do everything to get him out. You know what he did in the interim? He moved in other criminals into their homes, and they were squatting. And then he got arrested for attempted murder. And they still couldn't get him out because what did Eric Ulrich do? He's too busy playing cards in Ozone Park, <laughs> getting owing a vig to the Bananos and the Gambinos. These poor men, they lost everything. In the meantime, a sex offender was out in the streets in Neptune Avenue preying on young girls. And now he's in jail for attempted murder. And then, then there's a real warrior out there. Vicky Palladino, oh, Eric Ulrich did everything he could to destroy the Whitestone Republican Club, Vicky Palladino. I was the first to endorse her. They said to me, Curtis, you'll never become the Republican nominee running for mayor if you endorse Vicky Palladino. I said, really? Uh, the next night, I went to Vicky Palladino. She had a huge meeting. She's got the, the largest Republican club in the state of New York. They're vibrant. They're excited. They're pumped up. They get votes out. And the Republican Party itself and conservative party tried to destroy her. And I announced in front of 400 people, I said, they told me not to come here and endorse you. You don't tell Curtis Lee what to do. Vicky Palladino, I'm the first to endorse you. She won her seat. And I won Whitestone, Bayside, College Point, Flushing. And now we're on the verge of Stefano becoming the next uh, state senator there. Check their name, Stefano, Republican conservative, against Toby Ann Stavitsky, the co-author of the No Cash Bail. I thought Toby Ann Stavitsky was dead. She's older than Biden. She's been there since I think they wrote the state constitution. She's never in the community. Got to elect Stefano. But anyway, the point being is, this woman took it upon herself to approach squatters in her own neighborhood in Bayside, Whitestone. Who ever heard of squatters in Bayside, Whitestone, College Point? Never had that before. Single-handedly, because Eric Olwich would not do his job as commissioner of buildings. They wouldn't let the cops do their job. And actually, tenant landlord court, if you're a, a landlord, you're screwed. I want you to hear Vicky Palladino get into the face of these squatters in her district doing constituent service that Eric Ulrich wouldn't do as commissioner of buildings who could have padlocked that house. Could you do me a favor and get the over there? Huh? Because this is my... an elected official. Oh, I don't give a who you are. You're still over here. Go the over there. I will step right over Thank here. Thank you. That's all I ask. Okay. That's all go. I ask. What do you got in your mouth? Weed. Okay, you got this on video? Yeah, I do. Perfect. Excellent. Disgusting. You're good. You're it's good. legal. What's disgusting? Yourself. Okay. No problem. Right. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye-bye. And then she went to work, and she's getting them evicted. Without the help of a disgraziata de Shanda, Eric Ulrich, a Eric Adams Republican, corrupt right down to the marrow of his bone. 
But there are warriors out there. There are elected officials, yeah, some Democrats, some Republicans, some independents, who, when they take their oath of office, they do constituent service. Now, I don't know if you've ever met Vicky Palladino. She's shorty short. She confronts these criminals, gets right in their face. She shows no fear. Where are the men in the community? I ask, where are the men in our community? A man's man's role is to protect the women, the infirm, the children, and those who cannot defend themselves. Where are the men in our communities? Imagine Vicky has to do what men used to do when I was growing up. You tried squatting in a house in Canarsie, you had 10 guys outside with baseball bats saying, what the hell are you doing in that house? You know, Johnny's away with his family. They're down in Delray, Florida. What are you doing? You know Johnny? You related to Johnny? We give you 10 minutes, pack up, and get the hell out of here. There was no calls to 911. There were no calls to the police. Everybody knew you came in the neighborhood. You were looking for trouble. You got trouble. Men would put their pants on, put the beer can down, turn the Yankee game off, turn the Met game off, and where there was two, there'd be 10. 10, there was 20. 20, there was 100. If you went in the Orthodox or Jewish community and you started a mess with people in their community, the women, the children, the infirm, the elderly, one word, hops them, hops them till the day we die, and they'd all be out in the streets, and you'd be running for your life. That's what we need to take back this city because our officials have abandoned us. When you, when you have to depend on your local city councilwoman like Vicky Palladino, who's fearless to do what millions and millions of dollars are to evict squatters, and you can't even do that. Why even have a department of buildings? Why even have a police department? Why have tenant landlord court? And I want to play that cut for you again. He's standing outside with all of his friends. They've been defiant. They've flipped off the cops as they drive by. The cops couldn't do anything. Vicky Palladino goes up to him to warn him. And, yeah, he's out on the street. Yep, he's out on his tuckers. You do with me and Abraham get the over there. Huh? Because this is my... elected official. Oh, I don't give a who you are. You're still over here. Go the over there. I will step right over Thank here. Thank you. That's all I ask. Okay. That's all go. I ask. What do you got in your mouth? Weed. Okay. You got this on video? Yeah, I do. Perfect. Excellent. Disgusting. You're good. You're good. It's legal. What's Excellent. disgusting? Self. Okay. No problem. Good. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. You talked to a woman like that when I was growing up. I would hit you so hard your mother would feel the vibrations. I would give you a beat down. I wouldn't care if I went to jail. Where are all the men? Where are all the men? Did you lose your three-piece set? Did you lose your coulions? Are you so frightened of being sued because for every one person, there are 10 lawyers out there who practice their martial art all day, I sue, I sue? Is that what it is? Is Is that what our city has come down to? That you're so paralyzed in fear, they won't let the cops do anything. Our mayor, the swagger man with no plan, is too busy going to Club Zero Bond at night. And this city is getting worse and worse and worse. It's time for us to take back the streets, protect the women, the elderly, the children, the infirm. When I hear something like that, Vicky Palladino has to go out and confront these thugs. 
I said, where are the men in Bayside, Whitestone, College Point? I know you're there. Where are the men in Flushing? I know you're there. Why have you become such wusses? Yeah, part of the reason is the Democrats have made you wusses. Oh, don't call 911, you know, hey. You know, they got emotional issues. We got to feel their pain. You know, maybe they were dropped on their head. You know, when they were kids, they got a plate in their head. Oh, I've heard all that nonsense over the years. Get, get out of my way. You, over here. Bam! Down you go. Suck concrete. And then I put my boot right in the back of your neck, and I warn all the other thugs and thugettes, this will be your fate if you disrespect a woman in this community again. What happened to those days? What happened? Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Rita Cosby Show. Clearly, the White House is seeing the polls that we're all seeing, and it is not looking good for Democrats in a couple key areas where they thought they had a lock. And all the president is talking about is mega MAGA, threat to democracy, January 6th. It's like a broken record over and over again. Listen to The Rita Cosby Show. Weeknights at 10. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Imagine the women folk have become the warriors. Protecting the children, the grandchildren, our morals, our quality of life. Where have all the good men gone? Well, you're watching football today, huh? Okay, I watch football. You're going to go to a Barclays game for the Brooklyn Nets after what Kylie Irving did, huh? Right? Uh, where are all the men, huh? They won't let police officers be men any longer. Nope. They've, they've rendered them impotent. So now we got to depend on women. That's right. To all the women out there who go into the schools, who say to their boards of education, to their school districts, you're teaching our kids what? We pay all these property taxes. You're teaching our kids what? You are actually saying that I am the parent. Nurse Ratchet can't even give a St. Joseph's baby aspirin to my child without my permission. And now... You're going to give them gender reassignment medication and then recommend surgery without informing me, the mother, or the father, or any of the family members? Are you out of your freaking minds? It's the women who are not standing for that. The man is like, oh, you know, I got to work to pay the property taxes. They keep charging me more and more for the schools. Thank God for the women out there taking it to the mats. In fact, I've seen some female police officers act more manly in battling these thugs and thugettes than some of the, the male cops who've given up. 
They've been rendered impotent. Their attitude is, I'm not jeopardizing my pension. I'm 20 years, I'm out. Thank God. Anyway, let's go to Jeff, who's uh, calling from upstate. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Yes, hello, Jeff. Ah, Jeff has departed. I guess he felt uh, that he wasn't worthy as a man of uh, actually competing with the female warriors out there. Anyway, let's go to Debbie, who's calling from Clark, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Debbie. Hi there, smiley voice, Curtis. I can tell that you have a smiley voice because when you smile, the sun shines in the uh, window much brighter. That's so nice, Debbie. That's so nice. Because I'm, you know, blind and and I'm a born-again Christian. I see with my mind and heart. Well, the reason why I'm in Clark here at this rehab place, uh, it's a nursing home, I had a bad fall in my home at Atria Assisted Living Community in Cranford, and I um, fractured my right ankle, and ooh, did that hurt. I could not get up, and I still can't walk yet. I'm waiting to see the... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Debbie, Debbie, I, 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 I know the problem that you're dealing with. They basically, you're blind. You're a senior citizen. You're not a relative. I'm an elected official, so you're last in line. Uh, please, our telephone talent coordinator, get Debbie's personal information. I'll do an intervention. I'll speak to the director of the senior citizen center and ask why is Debbie having to struggle? First off, she's blind. Huh? Uh, and because she's not related to anybody with political pull or juice, she's got to be. She's afraid to be in her own senior citizen long-term health care. Hey, I mean, I may have to pay a visit, you know. Hey, director, come here. Let's have a little cup of coffee. Let's have a sit down. Let's talk about Debbie, good listener of ours here at WABC. Oh, God. Oh, let's go to Sylvia in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sylvia. Curtis, hello. In 2020, when we had the BLM Antifa mayhem, and Andrew Cuomo was in full pander mode, I heard him, not a reporter quoting him, but him say the following words, America was never that great. I stood in my kitchen frozen and said, he's finished. Well, this is Manhattan. Of course he wasn't finished. But now that good man, John Katsimatidis, has him on his show. Curtis, when Cuomo comes on, sorry, I turn the radio off. Well, let me, Sylvia, hold on. I'm going to throw you a lifeline because I have the book. I'm like J. Edgar Hoover when it comes Thank to you. the Cuomo's, Mario, Facha Brita Cuomo, King Cuomo the first. Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, and Fredo, Chris Cuomo, plus their wartime conciliary, Joe Pococo. What you said resonated with me. Listen, Sylvia. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. (laughs) You heard that, Sylvia. I said, am I the only one in this world who heard that? Thank you. No, no, I, I, I never forgive and I never forget. This guy's like a zombie. He thinks, Sylvia, you're a stunat. He thinks you're stupid. He thinks I'm stupid. Curtis, 
I'm a naturalized American. I was born in Italy. My mother called this country Benedetta l'America, Blessed America. That's how she referred to it always. So to see what's going on is tearing me apart, Curtis. Now, Sylvia, part two of the Udiscraziata, known as Andrew Cuomo, when uh, President Trump was flying with uh, uh, our congressman, uh, Peter King, out to Suffolk County at the time that MS-13 was terrorizing the Hispanic community in Brentwood, Central Islip, Windage. They basically controlled those communities. Uh, Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo, the governor, was calling ICE thugs. Do you remember, Sylvia? He was calling ICE the yes. federal agents who risk their life every day. They put bulletproof vests before they go out with retainers to to arrest drug dealers Sex traffickers, they never get recognition, they never get attention, and he called them the thugs, not MS-13. Yes, uh, Curtis. I don't forget. Uh, thank you. And, thank you, Sylvia, the worst of all of his Shanda, Sylvia, is that when that bill came on his desk as governor, no cash bail. That was his bill. He authored that bill. He got it through the supermajority of the assembly with his uh, henchmen in destroying our public safety, in destroying law enforcement, Carl Hasty, that crook from the Bronx, the speaker, who replaced the other crook, remember? The Meyer Lansky of Democratic pro- uh, politics, Shelley Silver. Remember they let him go from prison? Shh, hush, hush. I went to Shelley's house. I rang his doorbell. I said, hey, Shelly, I'm down here. You're not going anywhere. No, Curtis, I'm not going anywhere. They took him back to prison the next day. I'm on these guys. He was the author of the no-cash bill. He signed it into law. He cannot run. He cannot hide from it. He took a wrecking ball to this state. And now, like a zombie, he thinks he's going to come out of that grave and we're all stupid. We're students. No. Sorry. You and your brother, Chris. What a, what a Fredo out there. And your wartime consigliere. <laughs> Pococo did six years for political corruption. Who was the political corruption for? Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo. It's incestuous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, now you know why all these people want me dead, right? You know that, because I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. And the Cuomo's are listening right now on our FM affiliate, WLIR, right there. And he said, hey, Andrew, you think I'm going to forget? Hey, Fredo. Hey, Joe Pacoco, yeah. Take that Louisville slugger out of the back trunk of your car and see if you can make my kneecap singing ring. I said that to you once before. But you see, when people punk out, they get bullied. Nobody bullies Curtis Sliwa. Nobody bullies Curtis Lee. Well, let's go to Harold in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Harold. So I'm sitting in the backyard in Holliswood. I got the feeding the cats, and I'm listening to you, and you're wondering what happened to all the men. You want to know what happened to all the men? You know what happened to all the men, just like what I know what happened to all the men. All the men lost their testicles. You know this. I grew up in Rochdale. Remember Rochdale, Curtis? This oh, yeah. All the Lucchese's. I went to Springfield. Rosedale was right there. 
this was the very early 70s. So what happened? What happens is slowly democratic liberalism comes in, and we have to become compassionate, Curtis. You know this. We have to become compassionate to the point where, excuse me, to the point where the miscreants are more important than me and my two neighbors that I'm looking at left and right who are paying the 13 grand a year property tax, including me. This is what happened to all the men. They had their testicles cut off, my friend. That's true. Now, Harold, uh, you remember who used to uh, live there in Holliswood? He lived right around the corner from me. There is a street here called Cuomo Drive. That was not his block, I understand. And I moved in, I believe, about a year after they went out. And there's a good story that goes with that because Mario's rabbi was in my shul in Hillcrest, and that was, man, I can't remember, Mauschewitz. It was Rabbi Mauschewitz before I was there, and Cuomo promoted Mauschewitz. Yes, I remember it well. Uh, yes. Yeah, see, Harold, you will not forgive. You will not forget. Some poor guy, tough guy Andrew Cuomo, was outside of a gin mill. They got into a fight. Some poor guy got clocked by Cuomo, fell back, his head cracked open. Unfortunately, he perished. All of a sudden, uh, Cuomo wasn't implicated in that Andrew evilized Cuomo. Where did the paperwork go on that, huh? I know. <laughs> I know where all your bones are buried and who buried them, Andrew. <laughs> Hey, they already tried to kill me. Uh, I'm like a cat. Although, man, you used up about eight lives already, right? Can I have that warrior song one last time? Because I want to I wanna honor some real warriors out there who, against all odds, are running for political office in the most difficult districts, knocking on doors, standing on corners, talking to people who are dissing and dismissing them, but... They're doing it as proud Republicans in districts where the over-under point spread says they just can't win. They can't win, but they're warriors. I've been out there before with them. In fact, I want to, uh, I want to give a high five to Michael Zambluskis, who has been a veteran of the Manhattan GOP, the Upper East Side. There's no guy better at putting up signs. He knows that Republican signs are going to be ripped down in Democratic areas. Because he's running against Gerald the Whale Madler, who owns the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side now, right? He's running. In fact, some guy running against him, an independent, uh, in order to get attention, did a triple X rated porno movie. <laughs> because the media won't give anybody attention against Jerry the Whale Madler, who falls asleep in the house and should be in a retirement home in the sixth borough of the city of New York, really, Boca Raton, but he's not, and he's running for re-election, but Michael Zambluskis is the Republican candidate in the 12th Congressional District, please, vote for Mike, he's a warrior out there, and they can't get to his signs, the way he puts up his signs, nobody does it better, to my very dear friend Juan Pagan, who comes out of the Lower East Side, the products, proud Hispanic you know all the grief he gets living in the projects, proud to be a Republican. 
And he has decided to run in the 7th Congressional District against Nidia Velasquez. I remember I went into that district. I had Nidia Velasquez's face on a milk carton. And I went up to Hispanics, Puerto Ricanos, Boricuas, and said, You recognize this woman? No, I never saw her before in my life. Right there at uh, Myrtle Wyckoff, upstairs where everybody sits in that plaza. And he's fighting the good fight as a Republican, Juan Pagan, 7th Congressional District, cancer survivor, survived the projects, survived the gangs, Lower East Side, Avenue D. It's a man's man. He backs up to nobody. He's a little shorty short, too. You can't thug him. And then the other candidate who represents the area that I, I live in, although I hope he will. Boy, he's got tough odds. First off, his name is Joseph A. Mafia. Now, you know he's got to be a good candidate if I'm supporting him, right? Joseph A. Mafia, Upper West Side, Chelsea Hell's Kitchen, consumed by crime now. And he's the Republican candidate of the Manhattan GOP. You got to elect Joseph A. Mafia. I'm telling you, you know me. I don't back all the candidates because... If they're on the down low, I don't care if they're Republicans, conservatives, independents, Democrats, DSA. You're on the down low, then you're my enemy. Because these three candidates I know put America first. Not their district. Not the congressional district they're running in. Not the assemblymanic district. Even though that's of importance to the voters. I know deep in my heart and soul, Michael Zimbluskis... Juan Pagan, and yes, with the unlikely name of Joseph A. Mafia. Imagine growing up with a name like that. Whenever I've talked to them, they said, I will do what is best for America. Because if America is not strong, if America is not vibrant, if America is not crime-free, if we can't be men and guarantee the safety of of the elderly, the women, the infirm, the children. This is not America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Nope. This is not the nation that I was birthed into. And I know Michael Zimbluskis, Juan Pagan, and Joseph A. Mafia feel the same way. That should be the litmus test for every candidate running in the waning moments before November 8th when some of you cast your ballots because some of you probably did so with absentee on paper or you went to early voting. If you have a chance to ask the candidates, say, is your platform best for America? That should be the litmus test because we've got to keep this thing of ours going, America. That's why all these illegal aliens are coming here. They ain't going anywhere else. They ain't going to Venezuela. They ain't going to Cuba, Red China. They ain't going to Putin's Russia. They're coming here to America because they have opportunity here. And for those that do it the right way, they're coming to become citizens. They know more about our civics and history when they take the citizenship test and they get sworn in as Americans, which should be an embarrassment to all of us that they, as new Americans, know more about this country, having fled socialism and communism. They'll fight the AOC of the world because they don't want to go back to living from the very countries they escaped. The litmus test is, is this best for America. I'll be back 9 to 12, and you don't want to miss the Animal Welfare Hour from 11 to 12. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 